Hi, my name's Greg Hill and welcome to the Karate Vlog UK podcast. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Karate Vlog UK podcast. Today my guest is a good friend of mine, John Oliver. John Oliver is someone who I've grown up with over the years. Um, and we've competed together, competed against each other, um, been on the same team together when we went to Japan in 2009, um, and now it gives me and John a chance to catch up um, and talk about a few things on the podcast. This first part of the podcast with John is to talk about his early days um, growing up, where he started in karate, how he began his journey, um, and also talk about some memories of his time um, during his karate life in the UK. Hope you all enjoyed this podcast, um, and we'll be back with John at some point for a part two, talking about his journey to Thailand and how he established himself there. But for now, enjoy part one with John Oliver. Hopefully this all goes all right. So hi, John. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, very well. Thanks, Craig. And good, yourself? Mate, yeah, not too bad. Thank you, mate. Not too bad. Thanks for agreeing to do the podcast. No worries. So we, we sorted out the time difference in the end. So <laughs> Eventually, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But <laughs> n- nice to see you in the gi and in the dojo, mate. That's, uh, that's good to yeah, see. Yeah, I just finished the Zoom class with uh, Sensei Kenny Monroe. So good, mate. Every good. Sunday. A, lot, a lot of people on the Zoom class? or um, It varies, varies every week, really. Yeah. Sometimes there's quite a few, sometimes there's not many. But I, I don't always make it because of football on the weekends. But um, yeah. Uh, how, how do you find training on on zoom and and doing that sort of thing since obviously you've been in lockdown um, obviously during during the first lockdown in thailand the main lockdowns but um, it was a good sort of substitute for not training in the dojo yeah and it was obviously key for um just keeping interest the students definitely you know, right. you know, planet and three classes a week just for an hour put your gear on and all right we've got practice tonight we might be doing a lot of training like a lot of my younger ones you know but um it's hard to get your head around as well because obviously you got to think about the space, how much space has students got in their bedroom. Yeah, you know, and they got distractions like mum and dad, brother and sister, and all that, and TV going. And definitely, uh, I don't think it could. I think it's it's good alternative, but I don't think it can replace being in the dojo with your sensei. Agreed, agreed, mate. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did exactly the same like here in Devon. So as soon as lockdown hit we sort of just decided to to start doing zoom you know zoom classes and it was really just an excuse to just to get everybody together and like you said just to get the gear on more than anything um because trouble yeah. is like nobody knew how long this lockdown or pandemic was going to go on for so it's a bit like well if we don't do anything then it could be six 12 months before we get back in the dojo together so for us That's it was it. like it was for us it was just like getting getting the gear on getting to see everybody and you know i mean I don't know about you, but you know, sessions that you do, you is dealing with people and seeing people that you probably, you know, for yourself, John, you know, you don't get to see them very often, you know. So having the Zoom class to catch up and train with those sorts of people is brilliant. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's nice. I mean, obviously this is our tenth year in Thailand now as well. And um, is it really having wow? This, uh, yeah, having the uh the Zoom with Sensei Kenny, obviously I see Sensei George and a lot of other guys, you know, that I don't normally see because I'm yeah. in Thailand. I'm not yeah. unless I come on a holiday if I go back. Exactly. So that's only the one time uh, since I've been in Thailand. So, yeah. No, it's nice. And and do you think that like for yourself, do you think the Zoom classes will will try and carry on as much as possible? 
or do you think at some point obviously once once hopefully this pandemic sort of slows down do you think the you know the the zoom sessions will stop or do you think you'll try and carry them on like especially with like with with sensei kenny and that um for me personally i'd like obviously it's good because i'm getting more than teaching a lot i do a lot of teaching and it's a bit it's someone else looking at me training so i get get a train for 40 minutes um but no i actually think it probably will if everyone that's the dojo probably will stop eventually yeah, but it obviously as a backup, it's there in case anything like this obviously doesn't happen again. But we just don't know, do we? No, that's you know? that's the thing at the moment. I think you know it is such an unknown at the moment. Like what's what's going on and how this you know the situation could change tomorrow, and you know we could be in could be in lockdown again. So I think by having these Zoom classes in place and keeping them in place is is going to be a massive help. Not you know especially for someone like you, you know your senseis are you know across the other side of the world, so not so easy to get yeah. that week in week out training as you would but having zoom even if it's just a replacement for now until you come over and you know until all this stuff dies down it, it's a massive help isn't it so yeah very yeah it's very great for it good and, yeah and just te- how technology has moved on you know from like yeah, talking 20 years ago like you know and having now like it makes the, the karate family a lot smaller because yeah. you can still train and doesn't matter where you are in the world like yeah, you know, I'm in Wahin, Thailand. You're in that, uh, Ball, you live? Uh, Torrington. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> close enough. Uh, mate. There's a long way, but you know, we're talking, you know, communicating, do what we do and stuff. So, well, exactly. You know, that's, that's sort of sort of the whole reason I, I wanted to do this really was, you know, to, you know, to sort of use technology to, to sort of broadcast karate to hopefully a wider audience, but using, you know sort of the pandemic is an excuse to sort of have a catch up with people and have a chat with people get to know people a little bit better because you know someone like yourself mate who's obviously trained over here for such a long time and then carried on training you know 10 years later going to a completely different country with no sensei with nothing and sort of still being dedicated and and still trying to carry the art on is is fantastic you know so yeah so, so it's really good mate really good so what i wanted to do with you john like and what i'm trying to do we've got obviously me and you go back such a long way and obviously with you moving to Thailand, obviously there's a lot we can discuss there. So what I'd like to do in sort of this first episode with you is sort of go back to the beginning of your karate story really. And just find out a little bit more about how you started, why you started, who you started training with um, and who introduced you to karate. Was it something that you found? Was it something that your parents encouraged you to do? Um, so yeah, so really, just take us back to the first day you got in the dojo, really, John. Um, really, all starting with my granddad. It was at a local community centre, and he, he saw like an advert for karate, and he asked me, "Do you want to do karate?" I said no. <laughs> at that time, I was quite into just doing nothing, playing video games, and just being how, lazy. How old were you then, John? I was what nine, nine years old. Right. Okay. Yeah, and. Um, it took a while, and then my dad said, you sure you don't do karate? I was like, no, no interest, I'm not going to do it. And then um, I was quite, obviously, then I was in, really into the Power Rangers. My room was <laughs> Power Rangers everything, right? It probably still is, John, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> um, and then um, I got into, like, um, WWF wrestling, or the, what is WWE today. And then yeah. um, before... There was one wrestler called uh, Steve Blackman, the lethal weapon. He did a lot yeah. of martial arts. Yeah, I knew. Based, I know. Yeah. And I obviously, 
you know, relatively fake and whatever. But I just thought, do you know what? If I if I actually took up karate and the offer my granddad did, I could either be a a Power Ranger <laughs> or get in the World Wrestling Federation. Brilliant. And that was it. And Love then it. my granddad, and my dad took me down to the community center, and then the guy that I was teaching at the time, uh, Sensei Jack Boniface. So he was um. I'm not sure the star. I've actually dug up my old passport. Lovely. Um, uh, Sang Sangbrow Rengendo unarmed combat. Right. Okay. I don't know what style it was. <laughs> I was there for about just about ten months a year, um, and basically it was a mix really of wrestling and karate. You all used to split it up. Right. Okay. I remember the first day. I can't, that's a long, long time ago now, but um, yeah, it was just. It used to always make us do like fitness, so push ups, sit ups, squats, right, okay. star jump. And as a fat chubby nine, ten year old, it ain't gonna happen. And he used to say, How many have you done, John? Just your five again, like you know, just joking around. <laughs> but you know, you also like round belts and purple belts and higher grades. But um, no, very fond memories of him. And obviously, it's nice to still got the, my very first passport. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing that you still got, um, still got hold of that. Yeah, and the club badge and everything. And then um, basically what happened, he had to change his club. You couldn't teach it while I was training. And it was, he had to move to Thornbury. So um, obviously it was a bit far for us to travel. Yeah. And um, we ended up going to Yankee Leisure Centre, asking at the front desk, where's your karate classes? And the guy on the desk said, I'll oh, just down there on your left. And then we met um, Tensei George. And then oh. I've been there ever since and trained, yeah. trained in modern karate. Yeah. Amazing. I didn't know that. The amount of years I, I, I've known you, I, I sort of always always thought you started with Sensei George. So that's that's interesting to find out that you that you started started elsewhere and then obviously went to Sensei George after that. So um, which is good. So what was your sort of that sort of maybe first training session then with, with George? How did it differ from what you'd already seen previously? Um cast my mind back now. <laughs> like a rewind of the VHS. Yeah, exactly. Um, how was it? I remember that I think he was the assistant then. Um, Sensei Robin Eaton. He used, he was taking he used to take the lower grades at the time. And I remember he he said to me, he said, "Okay, so I had a white belt with two. I had a white belt, wasn't it? I think a white belt with two um, tags around the belt. Right, bit okay. of electrical tape." Lovely. You know, which cost a bit of money, but yeah. <laughs> um, there's the equivalent to maybe like two badges, two assessment badges under uh, Sensei George. And I remember Ro Sensei Robin saying, okay, so um, can you show us what you know? And I, I think I just learned the first kata. Can't remember what the kata was called. <laughs> and I remember Kiaim was ice, like two times, and that was it. And he said, okay, good. And then I think we just did like Shikadachi, some standing... So Junzika Chudan, Junzika Jodan, some basic blocks, and that was that. I think from a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, that is a few years ago so, now. A few years ago yeah. now, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, no, that's that's good, mate. And you know, obviously, you've you've obviously been with Sensei George since, which is you know, takes you know, especially now is you know is dedicated to stick with the the same sensei that you had right right from right from the word go. So. So looking back, John, between sort of, like I said, what I want to cover really with you today is sort of between, you know, your experiences when you first started to when you went to Thailand. So looking back over, if you could think of like two or three memories that really stick out to you, things that you are either proud of or just things that stick in your head, like moments that happened. If you could pick out two or three, 
Which, which ones would you say are your standout moments between sort of starting and then before you went to Thailand? Um, I think, obviously, for anyone in their martial arts journey, um, getting your first down. Yeah. Obviously, that's a very proud moment for me and I think most karateka around the world, you know, when you get your showdown, your first stand, it's uh, uh, like a relief of your shoulders. And it's also like, then you realize it's like the beginning. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people's main goal is just to get to Dan Grade and stop. But um, it's actually having that realization that, you know, what you do now is very little. And, you're, you know, you've got to still perfect everything and continue and train and work hard. Exactly. And um, obviously, uh, the first thing and probably the, the second thing probably my most one of my biggest achievements was um representing the water academy england in 2009 yep and um, the world water world games yep well, it was uh, a great trip yeah and what, what a lot of people probably listening to won't know about that tournament especially was obviously you picked up quite a bad injury uh when yeah, we went to I, um... when we went to neon university to nichi dai so you know you you we we were there to sort of do some training prior to the tournament and you obviously picked up quite a bad injury for, from that tournament. Yeah, I remember that day quite well. Um, I remember we we started, uh, finished training, I think it was, and Kobayashi Sensei took the training. Yeah. And then we were doing a lot of kicking. I can remember um, just like Robert, like very, very supple when like, you know, for his age, he just, just could kick constant up and down the dojo. And it, I think the session was maybe about four hours or something. And then, I remember seeing Sensei Arthur, who was head coach at the time, because he was his dad, um, Sensei Peter Hill. And uh, he said, right, Pada, I just I sort of looked bewildered and said, what? Like, you just finished training. Yeah. And uh, I remember going into that little room, yep. Sensei Shumitsu there, and a couple of, and they had the, the, the Japanese team, all sat in Seiza, back row, all black belts, all brown belts, and the front row of Q grades, mainly brown, but, and I just thought, what is this? And then obviously you guys went up front. It was, uh, who was it? Can't remember the order, but it was Jamie Bowen, yourself, Gareth Jones. Yeah. And then me. Yeah. And you know, you guys are all good fighters. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. You guys are getting beat. You know, and it's, and it's like, you know, they were coming at us hard as well. It's like were. two days before the tournament. Yeah. And so I just had it in my head. And, you know, I, I just, I just, I hear Darren Hill you know, from the Bristol Waterloo Club saying like, go for the face, don't, don't hold back, don't hold back. And uh, I just did that and scored, I think I scored one point yeah. going through and then he got a point back or something. And then I went for Irma Wash and my knee just gave in. And then um, that was it then. But of course it was, it wasn't, unfortunately it was like Daniel San and the Karate Kids. Um, <laughs> but um, I obviously, I, had to, I went all that way and I, I missed the nationals. And then I did the, uh, the world, obviously, with a definitely, yeah. yeah. But I ripped my cruciate ligament, obviously, when I got back from Japan to the doctors, and that's what it was. Yeah, it was a was yeah it was a it was a nasty injury at the time, and obviously, we didn't really like between me and you, we really didn't know what it was, how bad it was, how bad it was going to be. But you know, the fact is, obviously, you still competed on the Sunday just so you could get out there and. And yeah, try, and, so and, try and have a go, isn't it? it you know, it, it, yeah. you know, it's really good. So, you know, yeah, for me, I, you know, those two points that you brought up for me, like my first and is a day that I won't forget ever. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I felt like you could have put me anywhere that day and I, I would have been all right. Like, but I could have done first and anywhere that day and I would have been okay. Cause I think 
you build it up so much, don't you, to, to, yeah, to get course, that first yeah. line and you work, you work so hard that, you know, you sort of just got the blinkers on that day and, you know, you know exactly what you need to do. Um, and you've just trained and trained and trained for it. And the training just comes out, doesn't it? When, when you do your first down, oh, definitely, yeah. you know, to the point where you come off and you think, well, if I just done that, did that just happen? You know? And yeah, for me, that is definitely a day that sticks out for me. And yeah, Japan 2009 was, was such an experience for everybody who went, you know, especially with us, you know, we were only, we'd only really just turned 18, not ever yeah. competed, not ever competed internationally before, not, not to that level anyway um and you know training in places like nichi dai and mikai and obviously then um and then competing on the on the saturday sunday in you know at the at the budokan which is as you know as we know is sort of going into like the coliseum in rome isn't it <laughs> really yeah you know, yeah, it's, yeah it's uh, you know i got admit through through us a lot you wouldn't know you were in japan you thought you would have been in the uk with all the england flags and cheering and everything else but uh <laughs> <laughs> A few few Plymouth Argyle flags as well dotted around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that was. Yeah, I don't know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was a was a hell of a trip. That's that's for sure, mate. That's for sure. And um, you know, looking back, I mean, you so many memories from that trip that you know still stick with me to this day. And you you know you must be the same. Um, yeah. You know, with such a you know we I mean me and you talk about it all the time like for you know mainly for a lot of stuff we we did outside the dojo but it was still a yeah. good trip it was still a good trip for, <laughs> you know like you said training with the likes of like Kobe Ashi sensei and people like that was just such an experience you know and um yeah what you know what hell of a chance to get to do and you know even like all the training we did prior to going out there and all the squad sessions we did and yeah. sleeping in sleeping in the dojos and things like that and we, you know weekends away and things like that together so yeah it was a was a real good experience so um so is there any other any other things that stick out in your head any other any other memories or days that you think yeah that was that was a good day or that was a day that that i'll always always remember or treasure that you can think of um probably a other i mean prior to obviously training with the squad uh with the squad the water academy um, I was training, um, Sensei George got me, um, he introduced us to Alan Fluck, who ran yep. Bristol Crying Club. Yeah. And they were mainly our sport-based, you know, Kumite fighters. And um, I, uh, this always sticks with me. And I always tell the same sort of stories with my students. And um, it was absolute hell. Like the training, <laughs> so hard. And I remember the first three weeks to a month, I just I just kept eating the tatami mat. Like, I get swept over and... And then there was one guy, one athlete uh, called David Clown, a big, big stocky guy. I said, yeah. oh, and David, how, um, how can I not get swept? And he just said, be quicker. <laughs> and, always me, and that was it. That was his advice. Nothing else. Nothing technical. Be quicker. Brilliant. And obviously, they, you know, um, see that, that club, obviously, um, one of my favourite Kumite fighters um, represented England, uh, the England karate team is Rory Daniels. Yeah. And then um, I actually, I actually had to fight him at one competition. I think it was in Weston yep. years ago. And I remember it, like it lasted, it was a great, great experience for me, you know? And so he's like, I think he's two times or are the only times world champion at his junior under 18 or something, but very top fighter, very big. And I remember it was probably, and probably lasted about 45 seconds. And I lost eight nil, Yeah, but it was like, 
I'm fighting Rory Daniels, you know, yeah, this, exactly. is how, this is me. Yeah. And I uh, always remember that and always remember training with not just Rory, but a lot of Alan Fluck students, you know, yep. they are just so good at doing what they're doing. Yeah. Kumite, and they just, they just, even the, the lower grades, like the white belts, you know, the, the, and they just, they just kick you around the park, you know, yep. and it was brilliant, brilliant training. I used to hate going. I used to from my house in Yate. And um, I used to physically feel sick. I used to cry. But I knew I had to go. Yeah. I knew yeah, that yeah, once yeah. I get in um, into the dojo, um, I'm there. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And, right. and that was it. And, you know, I went every Tuesday to train. And, you know, the experience I got gained from it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've I've seen Rory fight a number of times. You know, I've... We, I go to Western, well, when they used to have the Western competitions, obviously because of COVID, it hasn't been on the last couple of years, but, you know, the 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 years that I went, you know, I, you know, you know, spend time having a chat with Rory Daniels and seeing him on the mat. And yeah, he was, you know, he, he was something special. You know, he he really had yeah. something. And the thing is, like you said, he's 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 quite a, he's quite a tall, quite a, a big guy. But when you see him on the mat, he's, he's it's like he's twice the size. You know, he's he just yeah. he makes himself so much bigger than what he actually is, and it's yeah, it's you know, it's it's a pleasure to watch him, and obviously for yourself to happen to compete against him. You know, for me, whenever I competed in competitions or you know went to big tournaments, for me, I'd always prefer to get drawn against the best. I know it sounds like a really bizarre thing because a lot of people want to get the rounds in, but there's no better way to judge yourself than going in with the very best. Definitely. I agree with that. You know, I, I, I was a bit unfortunate. I went to the All Englands um, a few years ago and I was drawn against the England All-Style Catter Coach at the time. Um, and for some reason or not, the, the draw got changed um, at the last minute. Um, and then I ended up being against somebody else. And the problem was I had it in my head. I was like, right, I'm against the England coach. I need I need to pick my best catter. It needs to be short, like needs to be nice and sharp, nice and crisp. And then I got up. I looked to face the person who I was going to be against and it was somebody completely different and it completely threw me off. It just completely threw my head. And then I was just, I was just, you know, I, I think I ended up losing like five nil in the end. Just, and I knew it was just because that wasn't there in the end. Cause I was so focused on right, right. I'm against the, the England coach. I want to make a good, you know, make a good account for myself and it just didn't happen. So, but, um, but no, there's nothing better at get, being against those people and getting that sort of experience, you know, yeah. So, so just just sort of touching on like you know going going back over your time over over the years that you had before you went to Thailand, who were who were some of the senseis that you trained with? You mentioned a few already, but who were some of your biggest influences? Would you say that you've that you've trained with um, or you know been taught by? Who are some of your biggest influences within within karate so far? Um, really, a lot of the. Um... The guys in the Bristol class, Sensei George, I've already mentioned, Sensei George Grimes, yeah. um, Sensei Errol. Yeah. Sensei Errol Wilson, he's very uh, taught me, and uh, Dave Robbins, another one, and Paul Burnham, Kevin Green. A lot a lot of these, like, you know, growing up with them basically in the club. You know, yeah. every Friday and Saturday, go to the club night, and they're always there, always training, and always willing to help. And um, yeah, and really, um, Paul, when he, when he had his own club on a, on a Wednesday at Brimford School, he actually asked me to go and help him teach. And then, um, obviously, I used to help Sunday George on a Thursday at Bradley Stoke. Yeah. Sometimes on a Saturday, and 
you know, teaching as well as training. Yeah. You know, when, as, you, as, you, as, you, as yourself, you do a lot of teaching too, Craig, and you know that when you're teaching, you've got to teach the right things and remember what you're doing and also question what you're, you've already been taught and thinking, if I teach it wrong, doing something a little bit different, it's going to affect, you know, it's like a knock-on effect with students. Absolutely. Yeah, really a lot, a lot of people and um, obviously Sensei Arthur, Arthur Meek and your dad's in the, in the academy for squat, uh, squat training. Um, there's so many people, so yeah. many, you know, high rank teachers or senseis and that I've you know, gone through my cracking journey and just very grateful really to yeah. be part of the Wadaroo family. And, you know, and so, as you said, so to this day, I'm still doing what I love and trying to pass on Wadaroo karate in Thailand. So. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm much the same. You know, I think we've, we've both been, you know, we've both been quite fortunate, haven't we, of, of the people that we've, you know, we've got to train with and, and, you know, got, got to, got to train alongside and be taught by, you know, we've, we've both, you know, when, you know, I was, I was only thinking about it this morning, like looking back over and thinking people who I train with over the years and, you know, and people who we've trained with together. And, you know, there's some of those squad sessions we have with, with Arthur Meek Sensei and, and my dad, obviously, you know, sessions like that, that you just, you can't put a price on those sorts of those experiences and those sessions, you know? So, so yeah. So my, my last question really, John, on this sort of first part with you on this, on this podcast, like I said, what, what I'm going to do is obviously your, your story in Thailand is, is, is really interesting. And I really want to delve deep in, into your time in Thailand. So I think we'll, we'll try and do that on another episode because there's quite a lot to, oh, yeah. a lot well, to go back to. on, on that one. So but my, my last question really is if you if there's one person in the karate world who you haven't trained with yet, but you would love the opportunity to, who, who would that be and why? Um I have to say Jesse Ankamp, the karate nerd. Yeah. Um, I think his videos, his passion for karate, not just his style, like all styles of karate and other martial arts. Um, I just think it would be great great to train with him and get to know him and do a bit because um obviously he does he's done a video on aikido mm-hmm. for training with one of yeah. the aikido instructors and uh one another video with um about carly with the filipino martial arts i also train him too yeah and i just find his videos very interesting and i think he cut the very the very funny the very there's got a lot of material in there that you know you can learn about it and i just think it would be quite cool to I think he just did a video actually in Thailand. I think he was in Phuket. Um, with, I'm not sure which Muay Thai camp. But I right, think he did okay. a Muay Thai sort of seven day intense. And I don't know if he got in the ring or anything. But yeah, yeah that, I that did. Be I, 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 I haven't watched that video yet, but I did see did see him post it up. So he trained like seven days in a in a Muay Thai camp, didn't he? With and you know, I think he then then maybe had like a a, a fight at the end. I think. But yeah, I, I agree. I think you know Jesse's definitely for me someone who I've watched a lot of videos of and um and spent a lot of time watching his videos i think you know there there are a lot of people in the karate world to put it in yeah in, in quote brackets that that don't like what he does but i think for me he's very good at he's sort of he's very good with like this generation of people with karate coming through so like yeah for people in sort of the youngsters that that are in your club and like the youngsters that that are that are down here in Devon you know for me it's almost like trying to encourage them because not only does he give you appreciation of other styles but it also he talks about a lot of the history of karate as well yeah. which 
isn't something a lot of people look back on or understand and look back yeah. onto the roots of karate. And I think, you know, Jesse's like when he goes, does his trip to Okinawa and when he does his trip to China and things like that, you know, that gives you a real sort of background on, on karate in general and where it came from and, it, and its history and its roots. And he's very yeah. good at, at giving that to people. And, you know, when I watch his videos, you know, there's stuff in there that, that I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that. Or I, I, you know, I've heard about yeah, this particular sensei, but I've not like done any research myself or whatever. So, so I think he's, you know, for me, he's definitely someone who, who would be on my list of, of people to train with. So, but, um, so what's your, what's your, what's your plans for, for, for the rest of, for the rest of your sort of day to day, John, and, and sort of training, upcoming training, really? Um, I was my wife just had a of COVID, so she's been isolating, isolating herself. Um, so we have to close the club, but yeah. club reopened tomorrow. Um, tomorrow there's three classes. I've got morning class for private students for karate, and Aikido, and then my junior class um, in the evening. Yeah. So, and it's every day. I mean, it's every day there's something on in the dojo. And with, with uh, Tuesday's a busy day. Yeah, and with yeah, co with COVID and stuff at the moment, are you are you restricted at all with classes like numbers in classes, or are you is you pretty much no, free to train no, not as really. Much as you want? No, and my dojo is outside, so it's like it's in our carport, believe it or not. Yeah, and and it was actually you want to go to the next thing, but it's um it's perfect. It's outside, and I think when they had when gyms were closed and martial arts schools, they said. You know, if it's indoors, they can't open, but outdoors was not a problem. So tick my box and yeah, perfect. carry on. Sorry. Brilliant, John. Well, um, appreciate you coming on the podcast and um, being being my first guest. So, you know, very welcome. When I, Thanks when for I, the invite. Oh, that's all right. So when I thought about doing this and, and thought about people who I could get on, you, you were the first person to come to mind because I knew you'd be up for it. And, you know, you're you're someone who, you know, basically we've we've grown up together in karate so you know we've shared so many experiences together and you know obviously with you going to thailand and and doing that and you know we stayed in pretty much constant contact throughout so i thought you know you'd be the perfect person to get on to know appreciate you doing it john and um yeah hopefully everybody looks forward to part two and hearing about your, so. hearing about your journey to thailand sorry so, about the accent uh, as well no no one uh, can understand me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have. I should. I should have put a warning at the beginning about your accent. So <laughs> yeah, I should have. Yeah, you might have to have subtitles in uh, podcast too. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might have to. Mate. Yeah, we'll we'll see what feedback we get and we'll go from there. <laughs> All right, mate. Appreciate that. All right, great. Um, we'll catch up again soon, buddy. All right. Yeah. No worries. All right. Take Thanks it easy, so much. John. See you later. Yeah. You too, mate. Cheers. Cheers bye. Well, that's the first Karate Vlog UK podcast done. Um, so that was episode one with John Oliver. Uh, we'll be back for another episode with John at some point to talk about his experiences in Thailand. Um, so John has now lived in Thailand for the last 10 years. Um, he teaches full-time in Thailand. Um, and he also practices various other martial arts um, whilst he's been out in Thailand. Um, so we get to have a chat with him about all those sorts of things. But we'll save that for another podcast. Hope you all enjoyed listening and hope to catch you on the next one.